Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Comics Collective, the weekly podcast where we read and discuss a collection of comic books or a graphic novel and recommend the 10 comics you should be picking up this new comic book day. I'm your host, Dallas. And I'm Anne, because we are missing Lexi again this week. Sad face. I don't think the universe wants three of us on this podcast. That's, it's just, they're like, no, it works too well. You can't have that. There's too much jiving <laughs> when all three of us are on it. It's called um, chemistry. It's called chemistry. Look it up, you morons. Uh, for today's episode, we will be berating our fan base and talking about... Anne's pick. Do you want to introduce it? The Eternals. Ah, we we're read, finally going to read that comic. Yeah. We read all about Fleeb and his friends, Flarb and Marb and, you know, the orange one. <laughs> that orange, that one orange one. Is there and an orange Cersei, one? Cersei, because Cersei's hot, so I remember yeah. her name. <laughs> I remember Icarus because he's the one that flies. <laughs> Word. I, well, it took me like three issues to realize all of their human names were just their eternal names. Wasn't that so And good? I was like, yeah, but I was like, I'm thick. I read Ike Harris three issues before I was like, Icarus. Wow. <laughs> Mark Curry. I'm like, oh, Mark that's Aquaman's last name. That's awesome. Wait, I'm dumb. <laughs> oh, Word. <laughs> But I like that the girls just got to keep their names. It's See, like, and then Thena and Cersei. I was like, word. It's like, word. Throw up gang signs. <laughs> just, they keep it simple. They're like, why would I split this in two? You guys are stupid. She's like, what's my name going to be? Sir C? Come on, that's stupid. I'll just be Angelina Jolie, drawn by John Romita Jr. The fact that. Cersei by J.R.J.R. is so clearly Angelina Jolie, and then Angelina Jolie is playing Thena in the movies. Yeah, that's, that's like, pretty Like, caused hilarious. my brain to spark a little bit. I was like, zzz, zzz, zzz. But that wouldn't be the only movie casting that doesn't exactly look like the character in the book. We have quite a few that look a bit different. and It's like we'll throw around all these names, and you can read this book, but you're going to watch the movie and still be confused as hell, because no one looks like they do in the movie. But if the characterization is right, I am now so excited for this movie because, yeah. man, this book ruled so hard. Thank I you for making things. me read yes. it. You you do. You pick good things. Like, wow. Do you want to introduce this book a little bit to the fans? Like maybe okay. the Marvel Knight stuff of it all? Yes. So... Every, just so everyone knows, this Eternals book was the first return of the Eternals in a good long time to Marvel Comics. This came out right after Civil War, and this was just Marvel's way of just reintroducing these characters to their universe and doing it in a way that would hopefully, you know, make things easy to digest. And they did it in a very unique way by getting one hell of a name talent on it. They got Neil Gaiman to pen it, and they got... John Romita Jr. to do the art for it. And I know that might get some eyes rolling, but trust me when I say this is probably the best book that J.R.J.R. has ever, ever inked. It's fantastic. Listen here, you little Gen Zers. <laughs> J.R.J.R. Oh, is a good artist, and he was just hurt by digital inks. And I will die on this hill. You no, can no, come you're right. in here. You can come in here with your 
this, that, and the other about JRJR not being good, I want you to shut up and read this book. Come join the old guard. Come look at these scratchy big boy lines. It's beautiful. Scratchy big boy lines actually do really good when you're trying to trying to emulate some good Kirby stuff. I think he did a really great job here. It's so pretty. This is easily uh, this is my favorite JRJR artwork I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But reading this, I just kept wanting to read Daredevil Man Without Fear, and I was like, I have a problem. I can't read more Daredevil. <laughs> yeah, that was another book that JRJR did a fantastic job with. So you're welcome. There is some there are some great things here. And this was the first exposure I ever had to the Eternals. So, like, <laughs> I remember reading this book a couple years ago, had no idea who they were. The movie was just, like, a rumor at that point. And I picked the book up on a whim. I read through it. I'm like, this is one of the best minis I've ever read. This was, it feels like a complete piece from beginning to start. It makes everything really easy to access. Um, it made the story behind the Eternals a mystery that you actually wanted to see unraveled and you wanted to learn more about. And I thought that was a very great way to make them accessible because it actually made them people first and then they find out at the same time that you do that maybe they're more than that and i think that's a really unique take it was incredible like what a way to roll out the mythology Mm -hmm. just a little bit at a time like this book was paced perfectly this is one of the few times i just a couple weeks ago made a joke about no one caring about comics accuracy in the eternals (laughs) but now reading this i'm like if you adapt this just as a movie, mm-hmm. you will be so successful. Like, yeah, this, this is so good. This is actually what I thought. Like, I thought they were going to draw a lot from this for the plot of the movie. Because I'm like, this is this would be perfect. Just introduce it like this. It's this This is the blueprint, I think, for how you introduce the Eternals and do it in a wholesome way. I think they kind of adapted it because it looks like the Eternals are kind of living human lives but unlike this book where they don't know their Eternals it looks like they do have their memories in the movie so that should be interesting to see I mean the real reason they didn't fight Thanos is because all of them were off doing Game of Thrones while that was happening (laughs) they were too busy doing Game of Thrones but then they're like oh Game of Thrones didn't end well um hey Marvel you still you still willing to call? Uh, hey, Marvel, do you want the whole Stark family in this movie? And they said, absolutely we do. Yes. Jon Snow, come play a knight in our universe, you sweet summer child. Tony Stark died so the other Starks could rise. I love it. You can't fall down a Song of Ice and Fire rabbit hole or we'll never get out. <laughs> okay, then let's let's crawl back out. So this book, just so everyone knows if you haven't read it, takes place right after Civil War, and what happens is there's this dark doctor whose name is Mark Curry who gets visited by this very strange man named Ike Harris who informs him, like, hey, you're old as shit, and you're actually this really powerful being who has these really cool powers, and we kind of need you to snap out of it and to realize that you're not a human. And it's of actually course, exactly our experience on Twitter when the 14-year-olds right? reach out to us. By the way, you're old as shit, but you have these crazy <laughs> cosmic powers. Yeah, you're old as shit. Oh my. <laughs> Our old, and we're just sitting there like, no, no, I can't be that old. Be I'm that still old. a teenager. I'm not getting aged out of the internet. Shut the hell up. Every time someone tells me they picked up comics for the first time with like DC Rebirth, I'm like, okay, uh... okay, my hip. <laughs> I can't feel my hip. <laughs> my prosthesis. 
Oh that, no. And I'm like, that has to be so much worse for like someone who's like there reading Claremont X-Men in the early days and for me to tell them like my first experience with the X-Men was X2 and just like, no, no, thank you. Do not want. Word. Yeah, yeah, word. We are become the ancients. And... <laughs> that is how this works. We are, what do they call humans in this book? They called us... Um, Mayflies. Mayflies. Transients, right? Yeah. <laughs> I just, there's this grandiose way that they, they speak, they used to speak, and I think Neil Gaiman does that so well. There is no one that does God speak better than Neil Gaiman. It's and this because is, he it's because he is one and he just hasn't told us. <laughs> yeah. Alan Moore is a wizard. Neil Gaiman is a god. <laughs> so that's that checks and out. And we this is not being paid for by Vertigo. This but is if not Vertigo paid wanted for. to pay us. <laughs> Vertigo's defunct. They can't pay us. <laughs> Rest it pour one out for Vertigo. Remember how they sacrificed Vertigo? For DC Bat Label, I mean Black Label. Oh my God! We got Batman's penis at the ex- as they held Preacher at gunpoint, and they said we're gonna start printing this with DC Black Label on the spine. You stupid hoes! And you'll buy it too because we know you. Oh. I think my least favorite thing about that was they kept printing like Vertigo books, like they kept doing Sandman books, but they did it like under the radar so no one knew about it they're like oh look no one's buying the sandman books it's like i didn't even know there was a sandman book happening y'all just suck at advertising things yeah dc's a whole mess we could do a whole podcast build about how dc should be the greatest thing ever it's the cat's pajamas and they just refuse yeah they just refuse. we're gonna hold the greatest fictional characters invented in this century or the last century i suppose (laughs) hostage you aren't allowed to have good superman comics because we say so it's like we are gonna hold plastic man hostage until you read our batman books exactly they're like we have one character you're like no you have all the characters you have all the characters and marvel's like here's some fucking eternals have fun with it and it's good yeah dc is losing with superman to marvel's eternals the it's just, world is back, ass words. I love that. It was such a curse back when I was like, I, I hate that Marvel can't use Spider-Man or X-Men back when I was a kid. But now I'm like, I'm so glad that Marvel couldn't use X-Men or Spider-Man because now people know who Rocket Raccoon is. And That's Rocket true. Raccoon is in a billion dollar movie he's in several billion dollar movies and that's the best feeling in the world it's like it's proof that if you give these characters the spotlight you can make them work they're you have great characters. Just use them. Anyways, off the tangent. On to characters that don't get used a lot and are great. The Eternals. What did you think about them? Who was your favorite? I love Cersei. I love hot lady. Turn things into <laughs> dragons. Come on. Forget about it. The, hot the... sassy lady. It's my type. You like space blondes. Mm-hmm. I like hot sassy lady. That's what I like. <laughs> Emma Frost. Cersei. Monet. My wife, I have a type. <laughs> Hot, sassy, Hot, sassy lady. lady. That's that's fair. You can like Cersei. I have Thena, so I have my 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 um my blonde quota for this book is definitely met. I actually I always feel like I'm pleb when I say like the main character is my favorite, but I really like Icarus a lot. I think he's so awesome. Good. He was super good, and 
I like this characterization of him a lot because my first try with the Eternals was the recent Kieran Gillen run. And I'm just like, I want to go back and binge it a little bit now because Gillen definitely writes for the trade and yeah. his singles don't always work for me. Mm-hmm. So I want to go back and read the, the trade now that it's complete. But this Icarus from Gaiman was still like far away god guy a little bit right but for some reason it was it, i connected with it a little bit more than whatever was going on right yeah and i think that's one of the cool things i <laughs> it's happened a couple times when neil gaiman introduces like the god character who comes in is just all mysterious at first and it's like it reminds me a lot of like the intro to american gods where the main character shadow sits down on a plane and freaking odin sits down right next to him and just like hey what's up and it's like that's it gave me all those feelings just there's this gravitas to his voice that just like draws you in and makes you go like who is this character like he seems friendly but also at the same time he kind of scares me a little bit because i don't know what his deal is i don't feel like he's He's not playing the same game as everyone else, you know? He feels like he's above everything. I agree. And I think Gaiman did such a good job of making the mythos of the Eternals accessible through these really human characterizations. Because if I can go down a Kirby rabbit hole for a moment, I kind of want to explain to people who the Eternals are, like how behind the scenes, how it happened. So basically, Jack Kirby, king of comics, his birthday Mm -hmm. was yesterday. Love that man. I... I know I'm becoming old because I'm listening to prose novels about Jack Kirby. And I'm like, (laughs) I have become this person. I'm Grandpa Dallas over here. Like, the king of comics was in the 1940s. And let me tell you about it. But basically, Jack Kirby was doing all of his Asgard stuff. And he was like, this rules so hard. And I've got this really great idea that we kill off all these Norse gods and we introduce some new gods. And he... Introduce characters like Darkseid, Orion, Highfather, and Stan Lee in all of his Stealing Jack's Ideas glory was like, I don't think it'll work. Zip, zap, zoop. I'm going to put on a toupee and dance on this table. And Jack Kirby was like, <laughs> that's exactly how it went, kids. Yeah, I was like, I'm and, just assuming that's from the novel. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um And then Jack Kirby was like, grumble, grumble. I'll go see if DC wants these new gods because you are too stupid to see that this is a great idea. And then Jack Kirby grumbled on over to DC and was like, hello, I'm the Fantastic Four's dad. I'd like to make a comic, please. (laughs) And DC said, that's great. Here's Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. And Jack Kirby went, fuck it. I'm going to introduce Darkseid and Jimmy Olsen. And the fact that Darkseid's first appearance is in Jimmy Olsen is hilarious. Oh my gosh. That rules so hard. This is the history of Jack Kirby as told by Dallas Taylor, uh, trademark. (laughs) And so then Jack was like, boy, howdy, do I have some World War II PTSD to work through? Can I write this book called The New Gods? And then DC was like, grumble, grumble. Fine, you can do it. And Jack Kirby wrote the greatest comic ever written by a man. And then he was like, all right, I want it to end. This is a contained story. And DC went, you simple fool. No, it is not. (laughs) They said, you better effing leave this open-ended so we can use this dark side fellow for the rest of time. And Jack Kirby was like, grumble, grumble. 
nobody listens to me. All I do is have good ideas and get shit on. And so he wasn't able to finish New Gods how he wanted to. And so then he wrote this great book called Mr. Miracle about a guy who is trapped in his life and can't catch a break and has Stan Lee as a sidekick that is awful named Funky. (laughs) And Funky is the worst because, frankly, Jack Kirby was like, I'm a genius that's bad at contracts and my life is hard. And then Marvel was like, hey, little mama, let me whisper in your ear. And Jack Kirby was like, tell me all the things I want to hear. And they're like, come back over here and make comics for us again, you sassy boy, because DC is not renewing your contract because no one read the new gods because people in the 70s were morons. (laughs) That's a fact. That was a fact. They all had long hair and did drugs and didn't read the new gods and will never forgive them. Have long hair, do drugs, and read the new gods, you morons. (laughs) You can have the best of all worlds. Of all, of fourth world, baby. Um, and so then Jack Kirby was like, grumble, grumble. Okay, I'll come back over to Marvel. So he comes over and he's like, I had more new God stories. I'll call them the Eternals this time. Let me make weird <laughs> comics no one wants to read. And then he wrote the Eternals, which was just the new gods, but without the characters you know and love. And that's the history of where these Eternals came from. And so Neil Gaiman picked up all of that and was like, hmm. Everything Jack Kirby touches turns to gold. What if I turn this, what if I polish this gold with this beautiful mini series that Joe Casada gave me? And Joe Casada said, I'm too busy ruining Spider Man's life. Do whatever you want. And Neil Gaiman <laughs> made a beautiful comic. And that's the history of the Eternals. Beautiful. That was, <clears throat> that brought a tear to my eye. That was fantastic. <laughs> Single glistening tear. Thank you for that, like, awesome poetry i feel like i just witnessed theater you're welcome beautiful (sighs) that's the off-screen history of the eternals do you want to talk a little bit about their on-page history like who the eternals are in context of the universe go for it you do it queen okay i can do it so the eternals were this race of people that were you in the way that the Inhumans were kind of experimented on by the Kree, these people were experimented on by the Celestials. And um, yeah, they were given superpowers, immortal life, and they were made to battle the Deviants. These other people they also experimented on and also used as human Cheez-Its. <laughs> so... Ninja Turtle villains. They turned Ninja Turtle villains into Cheez-Its. I can't, I, okay, sorry. I just got tell bit. me I'm wrong. Tell, look you're, me in the eyes and tell wrong. me I'm wrong. You're not wrong. Ninja Turtle villains. But, so it's like the Eternals were the ones that turned out well, the Deviants were the ones that didn't turn out well, and the Celestials kind of used as finger food, but they were also, they were formed to fight this thing called the Horde, which is this giant swarm in space. Not the Annihilation Wave, that's the other giant swarm in space. There's a lot of swarms in space. There's a lot of room for swarming in space. So... Yeah, and they just We're not kind of... even talking about the brood. That's another Oh my god. <laughs> there were three. There were at least three. <laughs> I completely forgot. Beyonder's like, I'm gonna fill this universe with so many damn swarms. <laughs> damn bugs in this <laughs> The universe is Missouri confirmed. <laughs> I'm gonna put too many damn bugs in this place. The universe is Missouri. 
It's a dark place where people make bad decisions and it's full of bugs. <laughs> okay, so the Eternals... There's Eternals on a lot of different planets. <laughs> For anyone that doesn't know, it's actually a fun fact. Thanos is actually an Eternal. He's a deviant because he didn't turn out right. That's in the comics, though. Don't know if that's going to get translated into the movies. That's your fun fact of the day. Everyone on Titan was an Eternal. Moving on... <laughs> The Eternals just kind of, yeah, exist and watch over Earth. But in this book, they've kind of forgotten that they're Eternals. And for some reason, are leading, are leading human lives. And that's the mystery this book tries to unfold is what the hell happened to the Eternals? And why does no one remember them? And it turns out it's all Peter Pan's fault. <laughs> it's all Peter Pan's fault. Oh, that is... That is want to talk a little bit about just these specific characters because the Eternals are really sold by the by how well the characters are you know developed and you like you said the characterization makes you really care about them what did you think about Sprite our antagonist for this if you will I mean hell yeah make the little <laughs> 11 year old grumpy that he can't bang like I would go full <laughs> joker too if I had to be a million years old in an 11-year-old's body and Cersei didn't want to have sex with me, I would have become the Joker as well. <laughs> I love that his motivation was Cersei has banged every Eternal but me because I'm an 11-year-old. Yep. And so I'm going to ruin the universe. Like, stay true to yourself, King. Pour one out for a real one. Just, he's like, I'm going to accidentally fuck everything up because I'm a million years old and horny. <laughs> I'm just that... It's like, it's such a fascinating concept. I really like, it's like one of the, the moments of like genius that's like, I love that Neil Gaiman wrote this, where it's like, of course, being an 11 year old forever would mess you up. That is a lot to deal with. And and it was, it came out in left field, but it was seated mm -hmm. so well. Yeah. You know, it was very fun. Because there's like, the Eternals have like their, you know, their archetypes and you have the evil archetype. You have Jurg over there doing his mm -hmm. dictator thing in another country. And you always think like, well, maybe it's him or maybe this was, you know, the deviants who have been following around and torturing Icarus for this entire time. Maybe it was them behind it. <clears throat> no, it was one of their own who just got so fed up with eternal life, as I would imagine many would. It's I think that was my that's one of my favorite twists in this whole thing that was that was fantastic i agree i i just i love how self-contained this all felt you right. know like i always yeah. very open the eternals were a huge blind spot for me like right. i knew who they were i knew about thanos i knew icarus had shown up in a couple things i'd read you know mm -hmm. and cersei had shown up but like i didn't know what their deal was i didn't know i didn't know what an a deviant was until everyone on Twitter like a week ago was like, the deviants are not comic accurate in this trailer. And I was like, <laughs> and sh shut your damn mouth. You don't like, care about deviants. Do you care? Do you care? And it's like, honestly, I don't care either. I like, I actually think the deviants in the movie look cooler than the deviants in this book. Word. I was like, damn, they fight transformers in this universe. That's dope. <laughs> damn shoddy. Fight that transformer. Keep that transformer up. <laughs> Like, I get to see hot blonde Angelina Jolie in golden armor fighting a Transformer dragon, and you're <laughs> complaining? You're throwing a fit. The bubblegum monster looks like a dragon now. Like, forget about it. It's like, 
it's that Joker Robert De Niro meme. <laughs> Angelina Jolie's blonde fighting a transformer, and you're complaining. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Angelina Jolie has had my heart since the first Tomb Raider movie when I was 11 year old Sprite. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh my God. <laughs> oh, but. Yeah. You're like, back to comics. Back, back to comics, Dallas. Think about Angelina Jolie and Tomb Raider. I'm done. Um, yeah, I just, that's one of the, the cool things I think they did here is just a very good subversion of expectations and a very different understanding of like immortality. Cause like a lot of people just play it off as like every immortal character is just gonna be so perfect with it, so chill with it. It's like they're a god, everyone else is a mayfly. Yeah, it kind of sucks, but you know, I'm, I'm hanging in there. It's like, of course, the one person that would have a problem with it is the one person who never got to live any part of their life before this, just stuck in pure stagnation and that's that's a frustration that i think anyone can understand and relate to and it's i i don't blame sprite for doing what he did but yeah yeah i totally agree um it was also just a good reminder of what it felt like to be that age for a minute yeah because like once you reach adulthood the idea of like staying as a 25 year old forever like doesn't scare me much you know what i mean i'm like I kind of like where I'm at. Like, if I could just be this forever, hells yeah. Maybe give me some abs. I don't know. But, like, other than that, <laughs> You can work on the abs. Yeah. You can get that. <laughs> if you're Not 25 forever, you have the amount of pizza time. that I eat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not with the amount of pizza I eat, and, Um But to be 11 forever is some insano body horror, you yeah. know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, like... Even if Sprite was characterized as, like, seven or eight years old, I don't think it would be quite the same. Because, yeah. like, right on the cusp of puberty, if you remember, is, like, the hardest time to be alive, dear mm-hmm. listener. You know, like, any 11-year-old you see, just, like, pat them on the head and be like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be All okay. All these hormones you're starting <laughs> to feel, they'll have an outward expression soon enough. I am sorry for everything that's going on in your little frame. <laughs> just be nice to them. And, just like, like oh. yeah, Sprite... You are innocent in my mind. Yeah. And it's like, it gives me the impression that like, just because his body stopped doesn't mean his mind did. Because Sprite talks very much like an adult in this book. Mm-hmm. Like he, he speaks with like the frustration of a child. But if you were stuck in the body of a child for so long, I would probably be acting out like an angry teenager all the time too. I'd be acting out at everything. And I think they cover that a little bit saying like how like, um, pesky he used to be with all of his illusions and stuff like that and it's like that if that's all i had to kill the time is just messing with other people i would be doing that 24 7 i would make it my goal to make everyone's life as miserable as mine is i like it sprite Um, is loki but with an excuse true loki that isn't just a whiner actually has a reason to be upset (laughs) i like that um, so our dear departed Alexis decided to posthumously send us some questions for the show. Oh, um, she's and the not dead. She's to of... get resurrected in one of those eternal yeah. machines. Exactly. Alexis is an eternal. Um, but she decided to ask us, which eternal do you identify most with personality wise? And I think probably for me, Icarus, because I'm also just buff and disinterested in things. There's no thoughts. <laughs> Only laser eyes. <laughs> if you know me, you would just think, damn, he's just sitting there 
double caked up, no thoughts, floating one inch above the ground. Um, so that's my that's my 100% answer is Icarus because I am noble and the protagonist. <laughs> I just can't. <laughs> oh my god. Well, thank you for that very very humble. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, word. <laughs> like, there's like a character I want to be. Like, if I could be Cersei, I would choose that. But honestly, going back to talking about Sprite, I, I kind of understand just from my experience what it's like to be in a place and, you know, with a body that you're not quite happy with and that you wish you could change. Fortunately for me, I can work on that and I can change that, unlike Sprite. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why his motivations really speak to me is because if I couldn't do anything to change my situation and I had forever to live with it, I would probably do exactly the same thing. I would wreck the world to become mortal again and to fix my situation because it's yeah. just, it sucks. But yeah, that's my more like <clears throat> my more personal answer for who I relate to. I like that. That's a really interesting and cool lens to look at Sprite's character yeah. through. And honestly, I didn't even realize that until Lexi asked that question. I'm like, wait, well, I guess it would be Sprite. So, yeah, because all the others, I don't, like, I definitely don't relate to Drug. I don't, if you relate to Drug at all, I, I have serious questions about your mental health. And I need you to stand, I need you to stand 50 feet away from me at all times. I need you to log off of reddit.com for a moment. How, what did you think about him, by the way? Did he scare you as much as he scared me? He, yeah, he was an interesting bloke. Because you're right, he definitely has, like, antagonist vibes the whole time. Mm -hmm. And then you realize, like, oh, no, they're just, like, a diverse group, and he's just kind of shitty. You know what I mean? Like, he's not the bad guy of this story. He's just Mm -hmm. a bad guy. Yeah. That was such an interesting lens of, like, the idea of, like, say a, a member of the Avengers is just, like, a shitty person on the side, but they're still a member of the Avengers. Like, why, why are you talking about Tony Stark or Beast like they're not here? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you read comics. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> that was so good. That was so good. I just thought that's what you were describing. It, it was, yeah. So imagine if Beast, Beast, <laughs> imagine if you just did war crimes and then we're also the superhero. It's Beast. Oh, Hank McCoy and Druig, they they should sit down for a cup of tea. I, I want them singing that Grease song together. So we go together, like, and then all... bang de bangs and they exactly. conquer a South American country together. With plants. <laughs> plants. Plant CIA. Just a little uh, genocide as a treat. As for the nation's security, Mr. McCoy. Oh, gosh. Beast. Uh, if you're a Hank McCoy fan, you might want to find a new podcast. I have nothing nice to say about that man. I have nice things to say about our favorite war criminal. The Bounce and Blue Beast. Like, honestly, the worst thing that ever happened to that man was coming back to the X-Men. Uh, pour one out for a king. Sorry, my mans. 
you know, I should have known. We should have all known, like, back in the freaking 80s when Carol gets impregnated by a weird space baby sexual abuser and Beast is so happy and leaping over things and bringing the child toys and stuff. He he asked no questions. Avengers 200 was a mess and Beast did not help. Beast was the worst part of that comic. <laughs> Beast is just like, baby, I'm here for it. I will ask no questions. For all of you fans that of What If that's been coming out, that whole monologue about how Uatu can't interfere, which also, that's bullcrap. Uatu loves to interfere. <laughs> but... Uatu came down specifically to tell Beast he was the worst person he knew. And honestly, <laughs> word. If the cosmic entity that babbles about not interfering will go out of his way to come and tell you you're human trash, you might want to reevaluate. Think about this. This is this is a universe that canonically has Thanos and Hitler, and Beast was the first person Uatu told to go fuck himself. <laughs> And I forgive Brian Michael Bendis for everything he's done for that specific interaction. It's okay that you took away Clark Kent. You gave me Uatu telling Beast he's worse than Thanos and Hitler. (laughs) What? (laughs) We were talking about the Eternals, right? (laughs) Yeah. uh, Without Alexis here, we have way too much free time to go down into the the annals of random ass comic knowledge we have. <laughs> we get this vibe on random shit we both read that has nothing to do with the episode. Oh, we cannot we cannot go down that route. <laughs> there is too much. It's not a rabbit hole, it's a rat hole for sure. <laughs> We're just two little two little rats. Two little rats. <laughs> just rat welcome to rat cast. <laughs> Couple of comic rats. Oh um, my- All right, Alexis, bring us back home. She says, if you were to explain Celestials in five seconds or less, what would you say? Um, hmm, Five seconds or less. That's not very much time. I'd say gods fight demons to protect bigger gods. (laughs) If I had to describe the Celestials in five seconds, um... Oh, the Celestials, lol. Yeah, I described the Eternals. Eternals. Word, word. All right, so I fail. Back to Anne. Oh my gosh. Well, no, you have to go again. Okay, fine. Um, Celestials, big angry space gods who are, ang- <laughs> who are angry. I don't know. It's so hard. They're such this, they're a bigger than life concept. They're, and I like the way that Neil Gaiman like portrays that, especially during the conversation that um, Makar, um, Makari has with the, um, the Eternal, while in that, like, cafe dream sequence, where the Eternal's mm-hmm. just like, the Celestial's just like, I could not explain things to you. Have you ever tried to explain, like, the laws of physics to a blade of grass? <laughs> you can't. Yeah, I really like I that. I that a lot. And I like I think... the moments... Oh, go for it. <laughs> oh, no, no. Keep going. I, I was gonna say, switch gears. I like the moments in their conversations where they don't... There's literally not a word that translates, so they give you options that fit in those little spots where they're like, this is a lovely diner slash cafe or something like that. And I just love that little like aspect that he added to the way Celestials talk, just to just to reaffirm that's like they talk at a level so above us that they don't what they're saying doesn't really match up with what we can understand. That's the yeah. way I interpreted those scenes anyway. 
Yeah, it was that was a su- one of my favorite scenes for sure mm-hmm. was the conversation between Makari and the Celestial. Um, if I had to give my actual five second answer for the Celestials, having read the question correctly now, I would say the gods through the lens of Jack Kirby. Like if I have to think of the most Jack Kirby design and idea, just like the mythology behind the Celestials is very cool. Yeah, they, no, that's perfect. They reek of Kirby and it's beautiful. <laughs> All right. Have you watched the new trailer for the upcoming movie, and do you think it's a good rendition of the characters and story based up off of what we've seen so far? So I would love to talk a little bit about yeah. our thoughts of the upcoming movie. Having both loved this book so much, I love this book so much. I bought a physical copy of it because I read it and I was like, I need you. You're too pretty. That's such a pretty edition. Right? I'm jealous. It's nice. Oh, this book really got me into these characters and it's like I'm I'm really invested in the characters but I understand that like this movie is probably gonna be coming at it from a very Guardians of the Galaxy point of view where it's like we have these characters but not a lot of people know them so we have more wiggle room to work with them which is very obvious from the casting because the you know the races and genders of the characters in this book are very much not the same they don't line up perfectly with all the actors and actresses they casted for the movie. Like, for example, the Sprite in the movie is female. The Makari in the movie is female. And races got changed around a lot. But they actually, it's actually really cool. They cover that in the um, the Gillian run, where they're just like, we live forever. We have the, um, the body machines. We just kind of do whatever. Which, you know, looking back, kind of destroys the plot of this book. Because if Sprite really had an issue, why didn't he just ask for a different body and still why is he still stuck in the body of an 11 year old in the new in the new thing because the the gillian run is the first time he's been back because the eternals don't get to do a lot they got brought in once in aaron's avengers to die and that was about it yeah this just so you know this book led into a i don't think it was an actual mini i think it was meant to be an ongoing but it only lasted for like 12 to 18 issues it wasn't all that well received but the covers were fantastic. The covers were beautiful. So if you ever, if you ever interested in that book, the artwork is worth it. But I don't think the story holds a candle to this one at all. It but, is interesting how I think sometimes we attribute so much of the success of a character to the idea of the character themselves. Right. But the Eternals is a great example of how, a like such a gift and a talent like Neil Gaiman, can completely revolutionize a. A somewhat stagnant idea you know i think we have an opportunity with chloe zhao who is a phenomenal director Mm -hmm. who for anyone that doesn't know is the current reigning best director on the oscars last year nomadland was best picture she has had an opportunity like Anne said to sort of get this blank canvas to tell a big mythic story about the eternals and i'm really really excited i hope she had a lot of creative freedom as yeah. Neil Gaiman did with this. Yeah. And I think that's something that's going to, I think that it's going to improve on it. Actually. I like the fact that these characters are so unheard of that you can kind of mess with the characters a little bit to make the best movie possible. And, you know, people are going to complain about just because if anything, the reactions of the trailers have showed us that people can and will complain about things they don't actually care about. <laughs> but I think it's going to make for a better movie that way. So I'm not, to beholden to the ideas of the characters as they appeared in this book, I'm more so interested in what um, Chloe Zhao is going to do with it. 
I agree. And having seen No Man Land, I thought it was great. And it's like a very human story. And I think the huge strength of this specific iteration of the Eternals was how human they felt. Yeah. And I think some of that comes through in the trailer when they're all sitting around the dinner table chatting with each other, when they're smashing Ikea furniture. Right? <laughs> These Eternals feel human. They feel like a family right. that interacts. And Chloe Zhao has demonstrated she is very, very good at doing that. Yeah, and, and I so... think that's, that's what interested me most about the new trailer is the emotions of it more so than the action. Like seeing Icarus actually, you know, light up a deviant and do his superman-esque thing that was really cool but just like the moment that really stuck with me for the trailer was like we were all we were instructed not to interfere with human affairs unless demons were involved and it gave me this like somber tone like maybe it's like all the atrocities they witnessed through history maybe that just i want i really hope that we get to see how that weighs on them because we know that this will kind of follow them through history and we get to see them live through a lot of major events I want to see how like the horrors and the the struggles of humanity affect these characters. And that's my big hope for the movies. We see just how much being immortal would weigh on someone. And that's like more important to me than any powers or any characterization these characters can show, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I think the movie looks beautifully shot. I think oh, yeah. the performances that are coming through look great. But you're completely right. I think what will end up selling this movie is the emotional weight and the emotional beats for these characters. I think Guardians of the Galaxy was such a smack success, not because of character designs or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It was because this ragtag family of characters felt like a group you wanted to be a part of. Exactly. You know? And... I'm very excited at the idea of the Eternals becoming that again, because this is the first superhero movie in like five years that I've had almost no thoughts going into, you know, and that's a really fun and fresh feeling for me again. I actually like that. I like that we've expended so many of the A-listers and C-listers at this point. Now we're going to the Omega listers. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, uh, what about the Eternals? Uh, no one's heard about them for a while, right? Like, that's very exciting. And I think this book was great. I think the movie's going to be great. And I'm excited for it now in a way that I was, I didn't really care one way or the other mm -hmm. before reading this. Right. That's awesome to hear. I'm glad. And I hope that if anyone's listening, if you decide to go out and pick up this book, I hope it gives you that same excitement for the movie that it gave us. I agree. It's super easy to read. It's seven issues, mm -hmm. self-contained. It's got one of my favorite endings to a mini in a long time. I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but like I was very satisfied with how it ended. Um, it's all free on Comixology Unlimited. It's included with the subscription. So yeah. if you have that service or if you have Marvel Unlimited, there are so many ways to read this for very cheap. Yeah, so I I'm hope sure. you give it a shot. I'm sure with the Eternals coming out soon, there's going to be a Comixology sale very shortly. And this book will probably be like three bucks or something like that because the Marvel sales are just ridiculously cheap. So just keep an eye out. It's the opportunity to read this is coming. And I suggest everyone takes it. I agree. And they definitely they just did a reprint of this series as a trade paperback with a very pretty new cover from mm -hmm. John Romita Jr. I picked that up because this was good enough that I wanted to revisit it. And it, it met all my criteria to get a physical copy. So I hope that's a glowing enough record. Yeah. for this series and picked a real gem awesome 
Oh, you were telling me before the show, this is one of your first, like, Neil Gaiman comics, right? Yeah, I, that's my huge nerd blind spot, is Neil mm-hmm. Gaiman. I've read Good Omens. I have seen him floating around a lot. I've read a lot of loose pages of things that people send me. I think the guy's very talented, but, like, this makes me want to read Sandman so bad. And that's very sad for all of you because I've gone on record saying once I read Sandman, I'm retiring from comics. So that <laughs> once we read all of Sandman, we're all done with the Comics Collective for Dallas. Oh. And then you can all rejoice that Dallas is no longer on the show. We will take it slow. We will take it very slow. It's best to read it as a saga, if you will. But like not as a saga, because that would be bad if you binge through all of it in one night. That would be awful, and I can't believe anyone would ever do that. No one in their right mind would possibly do that. Yeah, I don't know what person, knowing their <laughs> friends split it up into three bits for them on purpose, would be like, eh, fuck it, I'm going to read it all and spiral for a week. So, like, look, all of them were available on Hoopla, and <laughs> Hoopla is evil. I blame Hoopla. What is, I, I don't even know what Hoopla is. It's um a digital streaming service. This is this is a great plug, by the way, because if you are tight on money and you want to read comics, all you need is a library card, and you can use Hoopla and have access to their entire digital collection for whatever your library is. And you just you can instantly borrow whatever books are available, read through them, return them. You have like 21 days to read through whatever you want. So I that don't rules. Yeah, super they're hard. very very few limits on it and yeah it's let me read through the rest of saga in one evening so it can't be all that bad you know there are definitely ways if you're down on money there are definitely ways you can still read comics for cheap without having to pirate them that's that's what i'll say yes we won't wade too deeply in. i'm sure it'll be only a couple more days before the conversation comes back to twitter about pirating oh, sure. comics yep but <laughs> that's, i will oh, always a fun we, it's always a good time. Um, all I'll say as well is there are so many good ways to read comics that help these creatives get paid mm-hmm. and help yeah. make it worth their while to continue making these series. Um, but yeah, The Eternals was wonderful. And I think everybody should give it a read because Neil Gaiman is obviously a force to be reckoned with in comics. Yes. What a beautiful story. Great characterization. JRJR has some career-defining work on this, and all of you little punk holes that talk crap on JRJR, give this a read, and then tell me with your whole chest that it's not good. It was so, so beautiful. Yeah, and I will say he's definitely helped out with the colorists here. The colorists do such phenomenal work in this book. Yes. Yes. Who is the colorist? Because on Comixology, it just had him listed as art. There's... A few. Let's see. The colors were done mostly by Matt Hollingsworth, but also Paul Mounts and Dean White. Matt Hollingsworth is a beautiful colorist. It does a lot of work with Chris Somney mm-hmm. and Sean Murphy, if I remember right. And always oh, makes the artwork sing. I would love, I'm in such a bad habit of only following writers and pencilers. I think it would be such a fun episode down the line to follow like a specific colorist to work through right. a couple different things. Yeah. That would be fun. That would 
that would be coloring is like one of those aspects of comics that like the more I've gone along it's like the more I've started to pick up on like the differences between different colorists like I've really started to fall in love with the work of um Adriano Lucas and what they're doing at DC right now I think it's fantastic any book they're on is just like it pops so well and I just I'm like I need to understand how this works I need to understand how coloring can really change the tone and the the effect of a story so I would love to do an episode just on colorists that would be fantastic that could be a very fun book club down the line just do like the jody belair book club or something just pick a colorist we really like yeah and all of us pick a different book by that colorist we'll come back to that we will like that we'll make it work all right um what's one thing you really hope they get right in the movie one thing i really hope they get right i I really hope, and I from the trailer, I got the impression they will. I really hope they make the Celestials feel like a force of nature. I agree. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm interested how big of a role the Celestials will have. If right. they'll be, like, a big character or if they'll just be part of the backstory or, or what, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's another i wonder if we're even gonna like see them in anything other than the flashbacks because like there's the splash in here that is easily my favorite in the whole thing which just the the sleeping the dreaming celestial standing up and you see just how big it is and you realize for like the first time oh my god these are on another level because you see the people are literally just little dots and you see giant man who is just so tiny and it really puts everything into perspective. I don't know if I can think of another panel that's really used size as effectively as that one. It's just, it's remarkable. And they, I know a lot of people are talking about like how just the one image of the celestial just like gave them all that sort of existential cosmic dread. And I, I hope there's more of that in there. I hope we get to see a lot with them. I agree. I, I really want them to be this far out concept like they are right. in this book. That again, that diner scene was one of my favorite things I've read in a very long time, and I would love to get a little bit of of that aspect of the Celestials, because I think we've gotten the really goofy side of the galaxy with Guardians of the Galaxy, which is very fun. So I think like a very mind expanding version of the cosmos would be fun to introduce with the Eternals, if that makes sense. Yeah. No. Um, there's just concepts out there in the Marvel Universe that are just so big that we, this is going to be our first taste of it. And I really like that. That's I never thought I'd see Celestials on the big screen. And this gives me hope that we'll eventually see a comics-accurate version of Galactus on the big screen. That that's what offer. I was thinking. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. When I was reading this, and it flashed to Galactus, and it was like, Galactus feels fear about the Celestials. I was like, oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Pink Hat Galactus. Pink Hat Galactus. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, that was such a great moment, too. And it's like Uatu had to turn away because he just couldn't watch. It gives you a sense for just, like, how out there they are. And I, it gives me hope that we'll actually see something like the Living Tribunal, which has been hinted at before, and they were actually thinking of putting in Infinity War. It gives me hope we'll see stuff like that. And there's just crazy cosmic a- aspects. Like, have you, have you read the original Infinity Gauntlet? Yes. Okay, yeah, like, it's very chaos good. and order and, like, um... <laughs> Oh my gosh, just the living essence of the universe. There's, I, I want to see all this wacky stuff on screen. It's like we can do Rocket Raccoon, we can do Howard the Duck, we can make this happen. And I think this is the first step towards that. I would, I, 
I would love to see a little bit more Jim Starlin in Cosmic mm-hmm. Marvel. Absolutely. Um, oh, it'd be so fun. It would be so fun. <laughs> uh, I really want to see a good Annihilation movie. I think that oh, that would be so rad. Yeah. Just like... I just love... As soon as Thanos was done, everyone's like, oh, I can't believe they got rid of Thanos. What are they going to do next? I'm like, we have options. We have oh, at we least got, we 50 got options. <laughs> we can figure something out. I really like the idea of Kang as the next big bad. I'm a huge oh, Kang yeah. fan. Mm-hmm. Like, I love my tunic-wearing, blue-faced king. <laughs> blue-faced baby. What a guy. Um, yeah, like Guardians 5. I'm excited for Adam Warlock and Guardians 4, seems like that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like Guardians 5, Naked Annihilation. Build towards annihilation. annihilation. Split up the cosmic and the Earth side stuff and start building towards annihilation that in the cosmic. Cool. That'd be very dope. Yeah, because so yeah, be I'm so- excited about the MCU again. And yeah. I haven't been for a minute. Awesome. That's that's always good. To, I'm glad when people are excited for things. That's that's always the best place to be. Do you think the Eternals could play into that cosmic stuff? Like we definitely know they're building up the multiverse stuff, and that's what they're doing with like Spider-Man and Doctor Strange and Wanda and all that, and Loki. Do you think they could be setting up like the Eternals to make their own universe bigger because it's like they're expanding like not only outwards but also like upwards as well? I think they could for sure be. If this movie is successful, they're building to be a sort of replacement for the team aspect of the Avengers, Mm -hmm. you know? I really don't think we're going to get another classic Avengers movie post-Endgame. I think we'll get a new event. A Young Avengers seems to be something they're building towards. I think, like you said, we're going to get a bunch of multiversal stuff with the remnant of the Avengers. Right. But, like... Earth's liaison to space would be a cool place to be for the Eternals. And just like if the Eternals are stoic like they are in this, it'd be really fun to see them bounce off of James Gunn's iteration of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Like Icarus and Star-Lord like interacting would be I'd pay money to see that. That sounds fun. Exactly. Sprite and Rocket Raccoon. Come on. (laughs) It writes itself. It writes itself. It's going to be great. Cersei can turn Groot into Pinocchio. Forget about it. Hire me, Marvel. Listen to these <laughs> great ideas. I'm just shooting them from the hip. All right. We do have a listener question from yes. Glenn Matchett. It's a very good question. So, okay. Glenn, we tease you a lot. You're very nice. Uh, he says, dear friends, two questions, if I may. You can't. I'm going to pick which one, it, Glenn. <laughs> He says, number one, no surprise, given my love for Spider-Man, that I am a big John Romita Jr. fan. Mm-hmm. There are those put there that don't care for his work, however. Oh, there are those out there that don't care for his work, however. Where do the three of you stand in regards to his work, and what is your fave John Romita Jr. work? Mine is his work on Amazing Spider-Man with JMS, says Glenn. Do you have, how do you feel about John Romita Jr.? I think we've touched on it a little bit with this. Oh, I'm going to get canceled because I don't hate John Romita Jr. at all. I actually kind of like his work. I think you too. lately, it's I feel like I can understand where people are coming from where it's gotten a little sloppy. But I I genuinely like he's, it. I He's also old as crap. He's yeah. old as crap. Like, he's an old man. <laughs> and in this janky-ass world we live in, he has to still work to pay for things. Exactly. Like, 
be nice. He was so talented. And if he can't do all the cross hatching now that he used to do as a 30 year old, you all can shut up. That's what I have to say about that. There's, um, of course, I love all of his work on Daredevil, but I actually have a really soft spot for his work on the new 52 Superman that he did with um, Jeff John's eye roll. But like, that was my first introduction to him as an artist. So I actually really enjoyed that arc. I, I forget what it was called. It was the one where Superman meets like the other guy who's like him from a different world, except he came to Earth to take it over. Have you read it I, by chance? I remember I remember a specific splash page very vividly in my head from that arc. Uh, where Superman's kind of like crouched down and his eyes are glowing red. It's very yeah. cool. Yeah. I'm going to... While you find that, I can, I'll I'll vamp for a minute while you find that. I am a huge John Amita Jr. fan. I think his initial work with Roger Stern on Spider-Man is really great, where he's sort of aping his dad. But I like when he develops his own style that's really sharp. I specifically think he draws a phenomenal Green Goblin. Um, Like, beautiful. I really do think that this Eternals book was some of his career high work. Like... If I wanted to convince someone to love John Romita Jr., I would hand them this book. Uh, But my overall favorite has got to be Daredevil Man Without Fear. Like, everything comes together perfectly there with sort of stories that Frank Miller likes to tell about Daredevil and the sharp edges of Romita's work. And I think he draws a killer, killer kingpin. So... And that black suit, Matt, is so cool and looks so bulky and mean and just like this big boxer dude from John Romita Jr. It Mm -hmm. rules. And I'm definitely come, like Ann said, we're sort of booked out through the end of October because I'm a scheduling fiend that hates myself. But come (laughs) November, I am definitely going to push to read Man Without Fear. That would be awesome. I'd be really here for it. Yeah, it's, um, I found the name of the arc. It's Superman, um, the man... Oh, son of a gun. I lost it. <laughs> the, I had it, but then I lost it. It's fine. The men Superman, of tomorrow. Superman, the man without fear. I almost Superman, said the, the man without fear. <laughs> it's the men of tomorrow. It's like issues 32 through 38 of the new 52 run. And I just remember it because issue 34 had this really iconic cover to me. It's Superman, like all in black. You see, like, the red of his logo, and he's just lifting something up with, like, his laser eyes. And it was such a cool cover to me. It, like, instantly brought me in. And I have such a, I have a soft spot for that story. I really like his artwork there. I like, I, it's a, it's an internal joke with me that it's, like, he always dry, draws the same flying pose. But Loki, I like that fly, flying pose. I think it's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Yeah, word. Uh, it's a little bit like me and Umberto Ramos' Spider-Man. I'm like, yeah. that man, he draws one Spider-Man, and I like that Spider-Man. <laughs> some good stuff um this might be a rabbit hole but do you have a favorite comic book artist from the time that you've been reading comics so does that make sense like they don't have to be working right this second but like since you started is there somebody that you fell in love with um i i think one of the reasons that because the first book that like got me in was like um the new 52 Aquaman and Ivan Reyes's art just like blew me away back then. And it still does. I think he's incredible. I agree. Mine is definitely Umberto Ramos. Mm -hmm. Like his run on Spider-Man was 
a revelation for me. And seeing his work that he gets to do with Scotty Young over on Strange Academy right now, I am thriving. Like, the <laughs> fact that that book just gets to come out at whatever pace it takes for Umberto to do however good a work he wants to do, like, it's amazing. That book is so pretty. He's fantastic. It's like, it's artwork that's stylized, but not, like, too much. It's very wholesome, very playful, and I love that. It is. It's, everybody calls it manga-infused. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but, like, it's cartooning in a beautiful way. Mm-hmm. His characters seem animated. They seem fun and spry, but, like, the anatomy is spot on. The the poses are spot on. Like, there's so much talent behind the style. And I love that, man. If I... If I could get like one commission of anything, I think I would track him down and have him do a hobgoblin for me because his hobgoblin is amazing. That there checks it is. out. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> that, that tracks for Dallas, right? That tracks. Mm-hmm. All right. Second question from Glenn because we're feeling nice. I knew nothing about Eternals prior to this mini. I read it because of the, I read it because of the movie and the creative team. I found it to be ex- an excellent introduction to a massive concept and cast of characters. Mm-hmm. What works do you feel do a great job of introducing fans to something they have no idea about? Anne is not allowed to say Aquaman by Johns and Rice. Jesus. Right. He always picks on me. It's, he does. It's okay. Always I've, picking. <laughs> I've done nothing to elicit such a reaction. I've I have never... never done anything wrong in my life. Exactly. I know that and I love you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> good run that introduces something really complicated that's do you have anything off the top of your head i might need a minute to think uh it depends on if i'm thinking like big two or an image comic you know mm-hmm. because I, I know it sounds like cheating plug for last week's episode but i think the first issue of saga does a phenomenal job of showing what the entire run is going to be like yeah. you know that's something that Brian K. Vaughn says that he worked very hard to do is to make his first issue the actual like synthesis of everything he wants the book to be. So I think issue one of Saga does a great job. Um, as far as big two comics go, um, I think the Frank Miller run on Daredevil is amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know that's a big, long chunk. It's not really a seven-issue thing that I can hand someone. But like, if you want to know why Daredevil's great, with before hopping into anything else, like the starting point for modern Daredevil is Frank Miller's run on the character, and it is it covers every aspect of who the character is going to become, and I adore it. That's that's a fantastic choice. I just remembered I have one that I've always really loved and held close to my heart. And it reminds me a lot of the Eternals because this was the movie they're supposed to be coming out around the spot. And it's Inhumans by Paul Jenkins and Jay Lee and Jai Lee. That is a book very much in the same vein as this, as it's a mini, I think it's a maxi, maxi actually, it might be about 12 issues. And it sets up this otherworldly concept super, super well. And it makes you actually care about these characters. And it works really, really well as a standalone. It was my first introduction to the Inhumans and it actually made me fall in love with them. And I, I know I'm like one of the only people on the planet that actually cares about the Inhumans, but this is the book that made me care. And it was a really, really awesome mini. Great writing, great world building, and iconic art. So that's, that's my choice. 
I honestly would love to read that for the show because I haven't read it yet. And Charles Soule and Ryan Stegman's Inhuman book. Yeah. I know I'm the only person on earth that liked that book. Oh, no, but when I that was that coming too. out, I loved that book. Right? I honestly, like, I really cared about those characters. And mm-hmm. everybody's like, that's so stupid. They were trying to do the X-Men. I was like, no, they were doing a good book. And you're all just mean. <laughs> it's like, it's to me, all the nonsense between the Inhumans and the X-Men aside, I like those Inhumans books. I had fun with them. I did. It felt like a, a good jumping, a real jumping on point during my lifetime of comics. Does that make sense? Because yeah. even like, as great as House of X is, people are like, oh, this is a great jumping on point. I was like, mm. and it's certainly better if you've read a thousand comics before it. You know what that's, I mean? That's but like, like Inhuman, number one by Soul and Stegman. Mm-hmm. I didn't need to know anything. I hopped on and I was like, all right, time to get introduced to a world, and it ruled. Yeah, that's. I'm glad that you had that great experience. I, if anyone asks me where to start with Inhumans, I always recommend this mini. The first two issues, especially, are two of my favorite issues of all time. The first issue, especially because it's told from Black Boy, Black Bolt's point of view, and it has like the single best ending line of any comic ever. It's just. It's really cool. I love the Inhuman royal family. The concept behind them is so cool. And I like the fact that Hickman keeps using them because I think Hickman sees the same, like, potential in them that I do. They're just so out there. And I love I love it whenever they whenever they show up. I'm glad the fact Black Bolt's coming back in a couple months for anything. That's awesome. We'll be good. The Black Bolt mini from a couple years ago. Yes, that With too. Christian Ward. Mm-hmm. It was Saladin Ahmed and Christian Ward, right? Yes. Yeah. That ruled hard that was so good it made me fall in love with the absorbing man so like I know, right that was like it's like it's a great black bolt book but i think it's a wonderfully superior absorbing man book <laughs> he was my favorite character of that whole thing and i feel like that's oh <laughs> that's why i like seeing him in the immortal hulk and the um gamma flight stuff i'm glad that he's kept true to that character i agree yeah that's a very good series um, all right, I have one question just for my own fancy, and then we'll yes. we'll dip on this Eternals. So the recent news about Jonathan Hickman leaving the X office, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Where a where do you think he's going next, and b what do you want him to do next? Because mm-hmm. we know he's staying at Marvel. Mm-hmm. It's curious because I believe when the X Men stuff started happening, he's like okay, with this done, I've basically done all I wanted to do at Marvel. So the fact that he's sticking around, I honestly still think that he's going to keep on the X-Men. I just think he's giving it a break for a little bit. I think he might do something smaller in the meantime, but I think he'll be back. I think that's going to be his next big project. In the meantime, though, I think he's going to take on a smaller pet project, like something more like Secret Warriors, you know? Something, I don't think it's going to be like Avengers or anything like that. And I have a feeling you're going to say Eternals, and that actually feels like a pretty good place if Kieran Gillian wasn't doing something pretty revolutionary with it right now. Inhumans might be was it. Gonna, I was going to say Inhumans. I know a lot of people are saying Doctor Strange, and like that would be cool. Mm-hmm. It's like, that would be cool. It doesn't feel right to me, though. Inhumans feels like a better fit, because that's one. Of, that's a recurring theme. It's like Dr. Doom always appears in his work. Like, um, he loves villains. So that would be interesting to see if he did anything 
I'm not sure if there's any major villain he hasn't touched yet, though. Because he's done Apocalypse, Doctor Doom. He's done it all now. It's just... Inhumans is that one recurring thread through his Fantastic Four and his Avengers stuff that he hasn't really touched on by themselves yet. So that would be something interesting to see. I agree. I think... Yeah, a lot of people think he's going to be redoing the magic world of Marvel. Like, with the... With the dark hole, and this being what's going to be important in the movies for the next little bit, right? Like kind of bringing back the Midnight Suns and the dark hole, which could be interesting. But like, I agree. I think the Inhumans would be very cool. And how funny would it be for him to like dip out of the X Men because they won't let him finish his story to go over and do Inhumans? Like that would be hilarious. <laughs> he pulls, he pulls a Jack Kirby. It's like, hey, I'm going to finish my X Men story here. In the Inhumans. In the Inhumans. That would be cool. You know, since you were saying that, talking about the Darkhold and how it's going to play in, what if they put him on some sort of multiverse project? I I would be so critical of that because I'm mm-hmm. a huge defender of Grant Morrison's multiversity. Right. And sometimes I think Hickman likes to be Grant Morrison Jr., <laughs> if that makes sense. And I'm like, it- you're different from grant and that's okay yeah the way i've always kind of thought like hickman feels like grant morrison but hickman plays within like the laws of nature if that makes sense hickman's like morrison is like van gogh and hickman does pointillism like they're both beautiful they're both great but like one is a swirly drugs infused haze and the other one is an excel sheet (laughs) <laughs> i just i love the idea that hickman's face is just the microsoft excel logo <laughs> i Honestly. don't know why that bumped. but that's a concept that only grant morrison would be able to come up with hickman wouldn't hickman wouldn't do anything that ridiculous yeah so i don't know i i'm curious i i, I agree with you i mm-hmm. don't think there's any way that they don't pull hickman back to do act two and act three when it gets to it Yep, when they've realized but, it's like, okay, we're stagnant here, time to switch it up. They're stagnant right now, Anne. <sighs> hot take, hot take. They're stagnant right now. I, they're going to be switching up in a month or two, just give time. Okay, I, I, it's not like I'm not going to read them, I still like them. I know. I just, I don't know. <laughs> Trial of Magneto rules, Inferno's going to rule. Oh my god, the, it's, it's like, can we just take a detour to talk about how good that first Trial of Magneto issue was? Honestly, I would not mind. If we ever get a Patreon, we can start talking about weekly comics. Yes, in, that would be great. Depth way. That would be a great speaking, idea. Speaking of which, let's get the heck out of here and let's do our 10 comics people need to read this week. Yes. All right. Let's not forget the bit one weekend. <laughs> <laughs> we will not forget. All right. Number one from Dallas. This is... 10 comics you need to be picking up this new comic book day. Number one from Dallas Taylor. Dark Ages, number one. Tom Taylor is coming back to Marvel. He is doing a out-of-continuity miniseries. People's gonna die. And Spider-Man's the main <laughs> character. Like, come on. Come on. This was written for me. It's beautiful. Pick up Dark Ages, number one. Oh my gosh. Way to just, like, 
take the big hitter right off the gate, right out of the gate. I will take the other big event hitter this week. I'm going to go with Infinite Frontier number five. I think, was there Infinite Frontier number four just like last week? It's Number five was last week, and then they pushed it back a week. Oh, wait, yeah. <laughs> okay, so everything I said from last week still applies. Can I pick a different book then? Because I've already yes. recommended it. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, go for Captain Marvel number 32. It's a new arc. We've talked about Kelly Thompson's Captain Marvel run on this show. Go back and check that episode out if you haven't. It is phenomenal fun, and we are getting a version of Dark Carol back. And I am very excited to see where this goes, because from what it, from the sounds of it, we're going to be playing into a lot of the Marvel family here. So we might be seeing Miss Marvel show up, Monica Rambeau show up. We know that Jenna's Vale is coming back for something. So this is one not to miss, and the solicitations for November hint that there's going to be a really big revelation that you're going to want to be in on, so you should probably look at this book. I think I'm going to get caught up with <laughs> it for number 32. I'm two arcs okay. behind. So <sighs> oh, I've boy. got volume five, and then I've got all the singles for volume six. So Get on it. Uh, I know, I know. I think I'll catch up this week. Awesome. Um my next recommendation is Firepower, number 15. This book rules so hard. If you are a fan of anything Robert Kirkman has done, Walking Dead, Invincible, Oblivion Song, all of his other books <laughs> that no one's read, <laughs> um, Firepower is him doing a kung fu book with Chris Somney on art. This is what Chris Somney's been up to all these years. You've been like, where's Chris Somney been since Daredevil? Here. He's been doing this. Right here. And this is a wonderful book. Great characters. Super fun. If you like superheroes, but you a little bit want the magic of, like, a creator-owned comic with a beginning, middle, and end again, pick up Firepower. It's so fun. Like, I can't pitch this book hard enough. It's yeah. so beautiful. And it's the kind of collaboration where Robert Kirkman lets Chris Samney do a lot of the storytelling. So, like, I'm a huge fan of silent issue comics, and there are quite a few silent issues of this story where it's just kung fu storytelling, baby, and it rules. Firepower number 15 coming out this week. Nice. Okay. My choice, my second choice, since I covered Captain Marvel for my first one, let's go ahead and cover Aquaman for the second one, because Aquaman's 80th is coming out this week on Tuesday, the 100-page spectacular, super spectacular, actually. This one is one that you're going to want to pick up, because if you're interested in either the Black Manta series that's starting this month, or in what I think is going to be the best DC series all year, Aquaman the Becoming, coming out this month as well, you're going to want to pick up this issue, because there are two prequel stories for both of those runs in this book that you're going to want to read. You get a taste for what you're going to be getting later this month in terms of aqua content. And yeah, these 80th anniversary specials have just been so phenomenal so far. They're always fun. Whenever DC puts out like an anniversary special or any sort of like collaborative anthology, pick that up because it's going to be wonderful. They have not let me down at all this year. So this is one you need to look at. I like it. All right, number three from your boy Dallas. I have got to give a shout out to The Many Deaths of Lila Star, number five. This is the final issue of what may end up being my favorite book of the year. 
It's incredibly fun. We did a little mini about it in a book club, but honestly, I would not mind all of us coming back together and talking about this once it's wrapped up. That's how good the series is. I've talked I talked about it with Alexis like two months ago, and I already want to talk about it again. So great time to get caught up. Read issue five when it comes out this Wednesday, The Many Deaths of Lila Star. Yeah, I would be so down for that because I haven't started it yet. So that would give me an excuse to read it. Are you making a it's face at so me? I can't tell you. I am. I made a face. <laughs> it's very good. Oh my gosh. Okay. My third book, I'm going to go ahead and say, because DC is doing a lot of annuals this week, go ahead and pick up the Harley Quinn annual, the 2021 annual, because out of all the Bat books I'm following right now, Harley Quinn is something really special. Stephanie Phillips is an amazing talent. If you're not following this book, it's just a joy from week to week. And yeah, it's one of the few DC books that actually makes me smile every time I pick it up. So if you were to follow any like Bat book, I always recommend this one because I think Harley's in great hands right now. Uh, yeah, I think we should all re- hate read Sinister War number four. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> let's. What have you not been liking? Sin- I've actually heard people been liking Sinister War. And I hate this run on Spider-Man with a fiery passion. <laughs> so this hasn't changed your mind at all? No. No. <laughs> there is nothing but punching and exposition in Sinister War. And everyone's getting tricked into liking it because there are so many bad guys. They're like, oh, whoa, 47 bad guys on one page. And I'm like, nothing interesting's happened in 30 issues. Don't let him trick you. There are five artists on this single issue, and I hate it. I hate it. Nick Spencer's run on Spider-Man is my Avengers 200. Oh, no. My condolences. I'm sorry I brought it up. I'm so ready for it to be done. Um, Don't pick up Sinister War number four. I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to hate it the whole time. Don't be like me. Read comics that are good, like Hellions number 15. Hellions is the most fun X-Men book. I'll say it. The girl bossification of Mr. Sinister is funny and fun, (laughs) and I like it. The Kanon is the main character. She rules. This whole ragtag cast is really great. And I'm sorry. It's the best X book. If you don't pick up any other X-Men books, give Hellions a try because it's so fun. I, I'm i looking at that, that cover. Yeah, the cover has me sold. I need to get caught up on this series today. I'm going to work on it, I promise. It's very fun. There are some great moments. Oh, my number four pick. I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to play my nerd card. I'm going with Star Wars. I have to say the High Republic. I am loving the High Republic stuff a lot right now. And it's not just because of our Chris. It's an awesome blonde space lady. But... It's mostly She's that awesome, question mark. She is an awesome blonde space lady. She is an awesome blonde space lady. I've just been having a lot of fun with this this, uni- this part of the Star Wars universe I've always wanted to like live in. Like this is the the Star Wars I imagined when I was playing like games in my front yard as a kid. This is like the vibrant and like thriving Star Wars universe I always imagined. And if you're a Star Wars fan, you should check it out. This is a really cool time to be a Star Wars fan. So I like it. I need to get caught up. I petered out at like the halfway point of light of the republic whatever it was called 
I need to. And I even liked it's, it. I just got distracted. Yeah, no, I get it. Like that first like third of Light of the Republic, it's hard to put down because it's just so action packed. That was intense. When Avar Chris does the thing where she spins her lightsaber to get to like a certain right? harmonic beat, I was like, this is the coolest thing I read in a very long time. <laughs> I just, I need to get caught. I need to finish that, and then I need to get caught up on the comics. Um, all right. My last recommendation is the one-shot, The Last Annihilation, Hulkling and Wiccan, number one. Uh, damn it, you stole mine. Yeah, I stole the gaze right out from under you. Um, <laughs> fun anecdote. The other day, I, I was talking about something. I was like, oh, it's really gay. And I meant that as, like, a positive thing and just, like, an honest recommendation yeah. of like what the quality was like and the person i was with definitely thought i was being oh, like no using it as like a negative term and i was like oh no no like not i forgot that that's something people do my bad no no i'm being honest it is very gay in like a real way like i'm not using that as a negative term <laughs> it was like real where i could just like see the disappointment on her face like i thought you were a good person and you're using that word and i was like no no Oh my I mean gosh. literal. Um, <laughs> but if you have not been reading the Last Annihilation crossover between Guardians of the Galaxy and Sword, the Al Ewing cosmic side of the galaxy, it has been super super fun. Like there are twists and turns at every moment that are blowing my mind, and the fact that it's an Annihilation book without the Annihilation wave somehow makes it better. So get caught up and read this wonderful one-shot of our favorite couple in Marvel Comics. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so since you stole mine, I had to quickly find another one, and now I have to ask myself, is this the week where I finally recommend Money Shot again? No, it's not, because I'm actually going to recommend Commanders in Crisis. <laughs> if you haven't <laughs> caught up on this story, this is this is really good. It's... um. Steve Orlando designed it as an event, like, for his universe, but it's, like, the only comic that exists, so it's really cool. It's, like, an infinite crisis-level event, and these heroes are the last surviving members of their own universes, and they have to save the one they're on now. And after reading through, like, the first volume of this, it's just incredible. It feels just like an event book. It has you on the edge of your seat like an event book. And all the characters are really diverse and cool, and they're all really awesome to follow along with. So this is definitely a very unique superhero universe, definitely one that's worth checking out. And if you haven't yet, I'd suggest getting caught up and checking out this, which is actually the series finale. So, yeah, perfect time to hop on right at the end, right? Yeah, but don't read anything before. Just read this issue. Just read the ending. You'll know what comes next. They're rebooting the universe, and then nothing happens. <laughs> Damn it. All right. That has been our 10 new comic book day recommendations. Patent pending. We went through that list before, obviously. We weren't just obviously. both reading off of our own pull list that we Absolutely have. Absolutely not. That was not off the cuff at all. Nope. We're a professional group here. <laughs> but I will transition us over into our end credits, you lovely folks. If you liked the show and want to hear more from us through the week, please go and follow our Twitter account at CMX Collective, where you currently can join in the race to pick what we're going to cover September 15th. 
Um, there is a clear lead at the moment, but you can come out and beat that with all of your hopes and dreams. <laughs> Get your family to come, retweet your recommendation. Exactly. Do everything you can to make me not read The Wicked and the Divine again. <laughs> make your burner accounts, <laughs> sign into your privates. <laughs> Exactly. Dan Slot, get on your burner account. Come vote for Spider-Man. Um, or you can find each of us at Dallas underscore comics, at Ann Comics, and at Lexi Taylor underscore one, two, three. If you enjoyed the show and want to show your support, please go to Apple Podcasts or whatever you're listening and give us a five-star review, not a four-star, not a three-star, a five-star review, and we will read it off on the show. Do we have any this week? No, we still just have our three wonderful people. Captain Eric, Cap Eric, Eric Azana of the Geek Explained podcast. Mouth Dork, who is Brad Gullickson from the Comic Book Couples Counseling podcast. So and awesome. Wawa's 14, who I don't know who you are, Wawa's 14, but I love you. You're wonderful. <laughs> Those are our three people that have given us five-star reviews. And I think they're better than the DC Trinity, honestly. What yeah. a group of individuals. Get them you can comments. join them if you give us a five-star review. Oh. And finally, finally, feel free to email us with your questions or comments, like Glenn, for the show at thecomicscollective at gmail.com. That's all, folks. Get at go. What are you still doing here? It's over. <laughs> Get out. Go Come read some on. books. Go read some comics. Go read The Eternals. Go do Go it. read The Eternals. It's incredibly good. We talked about so many things, we forgot to spoil The Eternals. So go ahead and just <laughs> give that a read so you can know what it's actually about. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.